Welcome to the Psych Central Show, where each episode presents an in-depth look at issues from the field of psychology and mental health, with host Gabe Howard and co-host Vincent M. Wales. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Psych Central Show podcast. My name is Gabe Howard, and with me, as always, is Vincent M. Wales. This week, please welcome to the show Eric Coleman, former NFL safety who played with the New York Jets for nine years. Today, he is a sports analyst for Sportsnet New York and a variety of sports networks. But today, he's not here to discuss football, but rather how addiction affects children. Because at age 11, Eric found paraphernalia in his home, soon realizing that both of his parents were addicts. Eric, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So I, I do have one football question. I want to get it out of the way. I, oh, I, I do apologize. <laughs> did you win a Super Bowl? I did not. I, oh. That's a, yeah, that's one thing that I, I regret about my career. You know, I got to play uh, in, some, in some really cool cities. You know, being a New York Jet, Atlanta Falcon, and a Detroit Lion. It was fun playing for, you know, all those different teams. But I never made it to that final stage of, of playing in the Super Bowl. So you didn't, we know you didn't win, but you also didn't get to play in, in the Super Bowl? No, I didn't. You know, the, the furthest I got was my rookie season. Uh, we went into the second round of the playoffs and lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers when they went ahead and won the Super Bowl. Ah, oh, stupid Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, I lost to the Steelers one year, and then in Atlanta, we lost to the eventual Super Bowl champion, Green Bay Packers. So I lost to two Super Bowl champs in the playoffs. So it doesn't make it feel much better. And, and I also lost to the Patriots quite a bit. Oh, <laughs> this is, this is, uh, this is terrible. I'm, I'm so sorry. I mean, but on the plus side, you got to be an NFLer. So that's really, really cool. Well, thank you for being here. And thank you for, we're, of course, we're interested in sort of your, your second act of, of your life where you're a, a staunch advocate for children and how addiction affects them. So moving into that, you obviously have a platform and a passion for this, and, and we appreciate you using it for, for the kids. Oh, it's, my, it's my pleasure. You know, I feel like it's the, the least I can do, you know, to be able to help someone uh, maybe make it through some of the struggles that I went through. Uh, maybe they can understand that, you know, so other people go through these things and, and you can make it out. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. So you were 11 when you found out that your your parents were addicts. And I, I can relate to that a little bit because I was 12 when I found out that my mother was a basement. Wow. Vin. <laughs> Vin. Oh, man. Vin. No, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. No, you know what? It was... Uh... <laughs> oh, man. My man. What is wrong with you? <laughs> No, no, well, you're add- a redder now. Addict, Vin. Addict. Yeah, addict. Uh-huh. Yeah. We didn't have one of those in my house. We just, we just had. To... Sorry, no, but yeah, that. you know, no. When I was, you know, it's funny because you know, growing up, I always knew that you know, once my father got home, uh, he just drank his beers, not realizing until later he was an alcoholic. You know, he, you know, drank probably 18 beers wow. a night. You know, he's a truck driver. Whenever he got home, he would just drink until the pack was gone. You know, there was always marijuana in the house. Those things were just normal to me. But, it, you know, it wasn't until I was 11. I was curious one evening and my parents were outside. I went upstairs and I went to their room and, you know, and I listened to the nightstands and, and I found crack pipes. And the crazy thing about it is I knew exactly what it was. 
you know, at the age of 11, um, I just had a suspicion, you know, and I found out and it was very hard on me. You know, I was crying and it was a very emotional time. And, you know, fortunately for me, we lived down the street from my grandmother and I, you know, she helped console me through that time. But it, it was a it was a tough reality to face, you know, at 11 years old that, you know, your your parents are drug addicts. Things aren't as perfect as you thought they were. And probably a couple of months later, after that happened, my parents were divorced. And, you know, I, I went to go to school one day, kissed my, my parents goodbye. And I came home and one of our cars was gone and all my dad's stuff was gone. He had moved back down to Sacramento and, and left us, you know, with a pickup truck and a bunch of bills. So, you know, things were rough. I had to grow up very quick. And, um, you know, I made for a, a tough childhood. I had to grow up fast, but um, it made me who I am today. So, you know, I don't regret it. You know, it did make me a better person, but it was definitely tough to, to get through at that age. Eric, do you have any, any siblings? I do. I have an, uh, an older sister who's six years older than me. So she was out of the house at the time. Uh-huh. Uh, she had moved back down to California. Um, and we lived up in Washington State. And I have a younger brother who's two years younger than me. So um, I, I tried to tried my best to shield everything from my younger brother, um, you know, help raise him. You know, I held him accountable with his grades and his schoolwork and, you know, really just tried to be that parent that we were lacking, you know, to my brother, even at that young age. And how, how was your brother affected by this? Um, you know, uh, of course it was, it was tough. It was tough on both of us. You know, we, there were times where we didn't have, you know, my mother was, um, having, going through her problems, trying to face her issues and, and struggling, you know, I'd, I'd have to wake up my mom to go to work some days, um, other days she'd be fine. But, you know, a lot of the times it was tough, you know, there, you know, she had had a couple of boyfriends and uh, one of them was abusive. So that was always tough. And then the fact that our father was gone, uh, you know, you, you add that on top of that, you know, we didn't hear from my father for about three years. After he left, we just didn't hear from him at all. You know, the whole time we're kind of thinking, like, was this our fault? You know, did we do something wrong? And uh, it, it was, it made it tough. But, you know, thankfully my brother is successful now. He's a great father, great husband, and, and I'm very proud of him. I sort of want to touch on this for a moment because, you know, clearly you, you were an NFL player, so you made it to the elite level of sport. And, you know, you just said that you're brother and sister are both successful and somebody on the outside looking in could say, Oh, well then addiction isn't that bad because after all your family is okay. But we know that just because you're able to get through something and come out okay on the other end, doesn't mean that you're not carrying lingering trauma. How has that affected you? Because as you've sort of said, you know, money doesn't take away the pain of what happened, but you have been able to set it aside and achieve as have the rest of your family. Yeah, you know, it, uh, it, it does affect you in, in many ways. You know, I, you know, it wasn't really until I was in the NFL that I went and saw a psychologist. I, I was going through a tough time, a tough patch in my career, and I, just, I didn't know why I was feeling all these emotions. And uh, it wasn't until I went and talked to someone that I figured out that these things had followed me. You know, all these issues of, you know, not being able to let out my emotions. As an 11-year-old, Having gone through that problem, you know, getting raised through the, through those issues, having your mom be addicted to drugs, and you know all these tough times that we went through, I became an introvert. You know, I didn't know how to release my feelings. I didn't know how to talk to people, how to talk about what was going on in my life. And my girlfriend at the time, and now wife, really helped me to to find that, you know, and to understand why I wasn't communicating, why I didn't, you know, want to talk about my emotions. Why did I? 
ball everything up inside and, and explode every once in a while. Um, you know, and for my sister, you know, my sister had her issues that she went through. You know, she suffers. She's, she's bipolar. You know, she had, you know, some traumatic issues that, that took a toll on her life. So, you know, it, it, she's successful now. She has five children. She's a social worker, does great things. She got her master's degree. Um, you know, we, we've accomplished great things, but at the same time, we still have our, our demons and our, our issues that we have to try to deal with and continue to grow from. So what would you like to see happen for other 11-year-olds that are in this situation? And, and obviously what you'd like to see happen is that their parents get cleaned up and, and you know, move forward. But, but how do we as a society step in to advocate for these children? Because it's, it's way too simplistic to say, oh, we'll just take all these kids away from their parents and leave their parents. Child separation is not a good idea, but as you will probably agree with, uh, and, and please tell me if you don't, uh, leaving young children in the care of addicts is, is also not ideal. So what's the, I hate to say solution because that sounds so simple, but where's the advocacy point for you? How can we help these families? How can we help these children? Well, in my opinion, you know, it's, it's family counseling. You know, obviously the parents getting help and, and with their addiction, and um, but the family component will, will, will definitely help them, you know, so everyone else can understand what the parents are going through. You know, also, I spend time as a mentor, you know, mentoring kids. It'd be nice for, for people who have been through those tough times to, to be able to talk to those children, to let them know that there is someone there for them, someone who cares about them. You know, because I know when I was young going through that time, I felt like I was the only person in the world who was going through these issues. You know, I remember always asking myself, why me? Why is this happening to me in, in my life? And to know someone else has been through those struggles, to know someone came out on top from those struggles would have done a lot of great things. It, it would have helped me a lot at that age. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp.com. Secure, convenient, and affordable online counseling. All counselors are licensed, accredited professionals. Anything you share is confidential. Schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist whenever you feel it's needed. A month of online therapy often costs less than a single traditional face-to-face -face session. Go to BetterHelp.com forward slash Psych Central and experience seven days of free therapy to see if online counseling is right for you. BetterHelp.com forward slash Psych Central. Now, you've partnered with an organization called Seasons in Malibu to, you know, pay it forward or, or pay it back, depending on your personal perspective. Can you tell us about that organization and why you feel that it's so valuable? Seasons is a rehabilitation facility that, that treats addiction. They also treat mental health issues. You know, I thought that was very important because, you know, a, a lot of times people with mental health issues lean on substances to mask, to cover up those issues. They also treat the family component. You know, they, they do the systematic therapy and treat the entire family with the addiction. And I thought that was big because I know that I wasn't addicted to drugs, but I certainly felt the effects of it. And I had to live my life with those feelings. And it would have been great to have some counseling, some therapy, so I can understand what my parents were going through. And the fact that it wasn't them, it wasn't their fault. They didn't want to be hooked on these drugs, but the, the drugs had a hold of them. It would have been great to understand that. So, you know, I, I think that Seasons does a great job of addressing that issue. And they also have doctor doctorate level one-on-one -on -one therapy at every level. 
you know, you, you're going in there, you're talking to a psychologist, you're talking to professionals uh, about your issues, and they really care about you. You know, I've, I've been to many facilities and seen the different ways of, of going about treating addiction, treating mental health issues. And I, I can tell you that Seasons was a location, a group of professionals that I felt very comfortable with, and I felt comfortable um, sending people that way to get help. Eric, at what point did you decide that you were going to become an, an advocate for this cause, and, and what happened to, to push you to that? It's interesting. When I finished playing football, I had a business partner who I went into business with, uh, two business partners, actually. I opened up a medical clinic. And it's an anti-aging clinic. We do hormone replacement therapy. And it was, it's been something that's been great for my post-football career. But while in that partnership, they, they, also had, um, they also had treatment facilities and that I didn't know about. And they were building a facility and they asked if I wanted to part, if I wanted to invest in it. So I invested. You know, I thought it was great. You know, it was a great financial decision. It was awesome. And then after that, they opened up another facility. And I said to myself, instead of just being invested financially, why don't I invest some of my time into this? Uh, and once I decided that, I reached out to the New York Jets because I'm a, I'm a, I do television for the Jets. I do a lot of community outreach for the Jets. And I asked them, are they involved in any organizations that help people with addiction issues? And it so happened that they were. So I started connecting with Reach New Jersey. It was an organization that, that helped erase the stigma about addiction. And so I, I went to some candlelight visuals. I started meeting people, started meeting families, uh, people who were going through addiction issues and having those conversations. And I said, listen, I have such a big platform. You know, I'm a former professional football player, current broadcaster. Uh, you know, I'm in the position where people listen to what I have to say. And so I took it upon myself to do more research, get more involved in the addiction space. And, and it's been wonderful ever since I, I decided to do that. You know, I've touched so many people. Uh, so many people have touched me, I should say. So many people with their stories, success stories, with their trials and tribulations. It's, it's, very, it's touched me a lot. And to be frank with you, I have three children. It scares me. And I really do want to make a difference so that our children's lives are a lot better than ours. Vin and I, we interview a lot of people. And we try to ask questions that other people don't ask because... You know, we figure people that like media like ours are probably sick and tired of hearing the same question. But we're going to kind of suspend that rule for a moment. And I fully acknowledge this is a lame question. But what would you like to tell your 11-year-old self? If, if there was a, a magic phone that reached through time and, and you could call yourself back when you were 11, what would you say? I would tell my 11-year-old self to stay strong, that things are going to get better. And God doesn't bring you to something that he knows you can't get through. One day that this lesson that you're learning right now is going to help thousands of people. You're going through a tough time right now. You're being sacrificed right now. Your childhood is being sacrificed right now so that you can help thousands of people in the future. I think that's something I would tell myself, my 11-year-old self, and hopefully I'd understand. You know, I'd understand that I'm going through these issues to equip me with the tools to help others. That's very cool. Now, just out of curiosity, would you tell him that you're also an NFL football player in the future? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That, that would definitely help. That would, I mean, that would probably help me if I would have said, you know what? And you're going to get treated. You're going to get blessed with playing in the NFL for nine years. You're going to live in New York. 
and you're going to have a beautiful wife and, and three amazing children. I think that would have helped out as well. <laughs> that, that's very, very cool. Now, I, I know that as part of your advocacy, you help explain addiction to people that don't understand it. You know, obviously the person who is addicted, you know, they, they understand how they're suffering and the people around them, like their children, their friends and their families, they're seeing this firsthand and it creates a lot of trauma. But as you yourself have said, there's a lot of stigma surrounding people who are addicts there there's a lot of quotes in the media that are just like why are we reviving them why don't we just let them die narcan is narcan is for those who don't know it's a a, a, a treatment drug for people who have overdosed on opioids and there's pushback on it like is this something that we should be using and that of course is i'm an advocate so it bothers me like should we revive people yes yes we should why is this a discussion but it is a discussion. So what do you say to the people who are standing on the peripheral saying, well, they're just a bunch of drug addicts. Why do we care? I say to them that addiction is a disease, no different than, than heart disease, no different than diabetes, no different than lung cancer. All these other diseases, for some reason, they don't have a stigma to them. They, everyone gets treated. Someone has diabetes, oh, let me make sure you get your insulin. Uh, you know, you get lung cancer. I want to make sure everyone gets treated. Addiction is no different from those diseases. They're brought on by the decisions that you make, whether it's eating bad food, smoking cigarettes, or picking up drugs. They're, they're, all, they're all in the same realm. So there's no reason why a drug addiction or alcohol addiction should be treated any different than these other diseases. How do you think we can get people to come to that realization so that they start treating it that way? Spreading the message. There are very few people that I've met that don't know someone who has been affected by addiction. And the, the more we have the conversation, the more we bring up the topic and open up the conversation and share stories about your, you know, your addiction, about your success, about your recovery. I, I think the more that we raise awareness about it, the, 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 the more the stigma begins to, to dissipate. And I think that it's important to have these conversations. They're, they're uncomfortable. Sometimes they're shameful. You know, you're not proud of being addicted to a substance. But you know what? It's reality. And we need to talk about it. And we need to, to help the people who are going through these tough times. Thank you. We're about out of time. Thank you so much for being on the show. So this is really kind of our final question. Can you update us on your parents? How is your family now? How did it all turn out? Uh, thank you for asking. You know, my, my parents are doing great. You know, thank, thank God. You know, my father, he lives in California. He hasn't picked up a drink in over three years. He hasn't smoked a cigarette in two years. And, you know, health-wise, he's, um, you know, he's had his struggles, but he's exercising every day. He's feeling great, you know, with life. My mother has been drug-free for 14 years. She is a deaconess at our church. She's a great-grandmother. She's a wonderful mother and she's doing great with her life. You know, she's helping others. She's really touching other people's lives. And I couldn't be more proud of my mother for overcoming all the, the tough struggles that she's been through. And how's the relationship between everybody in your family? Have you made amends? Have you made peace? Were the rifts healed as they say? Yes. You know, it was, a, it was a tough road. You know, it was a tough road getting through all those obstacles. But I think, you know, as I grew up, as I became a husband, as I became a parent, you know, you start to realize that parents aren't perfect. You know, they're just two people that had children, you know, and, and the more I realized that, the more I realized that, you know, my parents had issues, you know, they, they went, they had their flaws and, you know, my father and I are on great terms. We, we talk, you know, once or twice a month, 
my mother, you know, my mother and I have always been close. You know, we, we are constantly on the phone back and forth with one another. And um, the relationships have been great. You know, my, my brother and sister are all healthy and happy. They all have children that are all healthy. Um, we all have good relationships with our parents. So I'm very thankful and I'm, I'm proud of my parents. I tell them that every time I speak to them. You know, I'm proud of how far they've come in life and just keep up the fight and keep doing good. Eric, thank you so much for being on the show. You are you are easy to talk to, very practical, and we very much like your message. So again, thank you. Thank you. It was an absolute pleasure, and I appreciate everything that you all are doing, and, uh, and please keep up the good work. Oh, thank you so much. We will. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And remember, you can get one week of free, convenient, affordable, private online counseling anytime, anywhere by visiting betterhelp.com slash psychcentral. We will see everyone next week. Thank you for listening to The Psych Central Show. Please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you found this podcast. We encourage you to share our show on social media and with friends and family. Previous episodes can be found at psychcentral.com slash show. Psychcentral.com is the Internet's oldest and largest independent mental health website. Psych Central is overseen by Dr. John Grohall, a mental health expert and one of the pioneering leaders in online mental health. Our host, Gabe Howard, is an award-winning writer and speaker who travels nationally. You can find more information on Gabe at GabeHoward.com. Our co-host, Vincent M. Wales, is a trained suicide prevention crisis counselor and author of several award-winning speculative fiction novels. You can learn more about Vincent at VincentMWales.com. If you have feedback about the show, please email talkback at psychcentral.com. There are few words more misunderstood and misused than OCD. Imagine having unwanted thoughts stuck in your head all day, no matter how hard you try to make them go away, and then having to pretend that everything is okay despite having to feel crippled inside. That's OCD. One in 40 people suffer from it globally, but there's hope. If you have OCD and need help, you can get better with specialized treatment. NoCD offers effective, affordable, and convenient treatment for OCD and is covered by many major insurance plans. Go to NoCD.com to learn more. That's NoCD.com.